Welcome into this very special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. We are here to talk about the passing of Joe Laurinaitis, better known as Road Warrior Animal. On the 23rd of September, as I record this on Wednesday afternoon, we found out the news about Road Warrior Animal passing away at the age of 60. The tweet came at 7.38 a.m. on September 23rd. At this time, we'd like to confirm the passing of Joseph Laurinaitis, also known as Road Warrior Animal, at the age of 60. Uh, the family is planning to release a statement later today. At this time, we ask you to keep everyone in your thoughts and prayers. Hashtag, oh, what a rush. I do a lot of these shows, and my childhood is just passing me by every time I see a pro wrestling death. So, on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, we will celebrate the life of Road Warrior Animal. So, we'll, we'll go back to the Georgia Championship Wrestling days when Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom, were all together with Paul Ellering. We'll go back to the AWA when they wrestled for Vern Gagne. Also, we will go to Memphis. You know, you back in those days, you had to go through Jerry Lawler's Memphis territory if you were ever going to be someone. Think about the biggest names in the sport. And you had to wrestle for Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler during that time. So we will go back to a match that they had in Memphis, the WWE, the NWA, and WCW. We will celebrate the life of Road Warrior Animal right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Well, I will tell you that the first time I saw the Road Warriors was here in Chicago. Uh, born and raised here in Chicago, and I consider this Vern Gagne's territory. Because the two wrestling companies that were on my television as a kid, the most was the AWA based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, Vern Gagne's Wrestling, and of course the uh, All-Star Wrestling from Bob Luce from years and years ago. But Vern Gagne loved wrestlers, loved guys that can get on the mat, guys that could tell a story. He had some of the all-time greats in that territory. And I remember seeing Hawk and Animal with Paul Ellering wrestle at the St. Paul Civic Center. And when they came down the aisle and the music we just played, yeah, that's the music that would blare in stadiums and arenas across the country. When I first saw them pop up my television in the early 80s, I said, what is this? This is the Mad Max movie come to life. Who are these two guys? It was so different for me as a kid to see those two in the ring when I'm used to seeing Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher and Baron Von Raschke and Mad Dog Vashon and Ray Stevens and Bobby Heenan and Nick Bockwinkle. A lot of those guys were classic wrestlers. Some of those guys were brawlers. But they were not muscle-bound and tall and big and powerful like the Road Warriors. So when I would see these two in the ring with like the Bruiser and the Crusher at Comiskey Park as a kid, it's like, wait a minute. I know the brush, the, the, the Bruiser and the Crusher are really, really popular wrestlers in the Midwest. But then when you see these two in the ring, Bruiser and Crusher, they're no more than what, five, eight, five, nine, muscle bound, yes, but not like Hawk and Animal. It seemed like Hawk and Animal were just 
a complete mismatch. <laughs> Anybody that got in the ring with them, they seemed like that they should be able to win the match because of how big they were. When you saw them come down to ringside, when you saw them dressed the way they were in that leather and those spikes and that face paint and the hair shaved, you believed. You believed. When I think about Animal and Hawk, the Road Warriors, I also think that they were the tag team equivalent of Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant was always the draw. And for those that don't know, Andre the Giant, before he passed away, was a guy that would go from territory to territory in professional wrestling and draw a house for Paul Bosch in Houston. He'd do it for Fritz von Erich in Dallas. He'd do it for Vince Sr. in New York. He'd do it for Eddie Graham in Florida. He'd do it in Portland for Don Owen. He would do it in San Francisco. Um, he would do it in Los Angeles. All across the country, you had to get on the booking sheet to get Andre to come to your territory. Some guy is getting beat up by a tag team, and he says, I just need a tag team partner. We got to bring in Andre the Giant, and that would pop a house. People would come and see Andre the Giant in person because he wasn't on your television all the time. You saw him in the magazines, but when he came to your city, you had to see him. Road Warriors, the same thing. Because the Road Warriors, for me, no matter if they wrestled in Japan, they wrestled in Minneapolis or Chicago, if they wrestled in New York, if they wrestled uh, in uh, for Crockett in uh, Charlotte or in that Mid-Atlantic area, wrestled for, you know, down south, it didn't matter. They were a draw because no one was looking like that to the point where, obviously, moving forward, you saw Vince McMahon wanting to have his own version of the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, by having Demolition. Uh, you saw the powers of pain. There were a number of teams that tried to emulate exactly what Joe Laurinaitis and Mike Hedstrand tried to bring to the table. And that is the head shaved, muscle bound, looking dominant. But remember the first. There has never been anyone that looked like Hawk and Animal because they were the firsts. So as I mentioned, we will celebrate the life of Road Warrior Animal. As a matter of fact, I got a chance to talk to him not too long ago at StarCast. I did a broadcast from um, Chicago uh, when StarCast was here, when they allowed radio stations and podcasters to be able to have a radio row. So at the end of this podcast, you will hear a conversation that I had as um I got a chance to talk to Road Warrior Animal because he was part of that star cast where fans from all over the country, probably all over the world, uh, came to the Chicagoland area to be able to meet uh, superstars of wrestling from past and present. That was really a blast, by the way, when uh, StarCast was here. And so we'll hear that interview. And through this podcast, I just want you to think about the dominance of Hawk and Animal. When you saw them in the ring, you never thought that they would lose. How could those two lose? When they had promos, you'll hear some of those classic promos early in their career, toward the end of their career. The promos were believable. When they were in the camera and they had the AWA logo behind them, and it could have been like Ken Resnick or Mean Gene or whoever was interviewing them. When they pointed in the camera and told you they're going to destroy somebody, uh, I believed it. <laughs> because why wouldn't you believe it? Look at those two. Uh, and it was hard for them to be, quote unquote, heels uh, 
because people would cheer them because look at those two. And so they really worked hard to try to be heels and try to be hated. But you knew deep down fans from across the country saw two guys that were completely unique, like you've never seen before in Hawk and Animal. And the legacy for me for uh, Road Warrior, Hawk and Animal uh, is that they're one of the greatest tag teams I've ever seen, the most unique team I've ever seen, one of the most decorated teams I've ever seen across the country and around the world. So let's go back in time and revisit Road Warrior Animal and Road Warrior Hawk. They were just tremendous. The, the story, by the way, before we start hearing some of these sound bites and some opinions on the Road Warriors, Hawk, of course, who passed away, who left us way too soon, died of a heart attack uh, at uh, the age of 46 uh, in 2003. Just when he was straightening his life up, he ends up passing away. He's trying to carry furniture and he just rests for a little bit and then he dies. Of course, you can go to Dark Side of the Ring. If you've never seen that uh, documentary, Dark Side of the Ring, on the Road Warriors, you got to check that out. Uh, it is really deep and detailed uh, about Hawk's life and animal dealing with Hawk, especially with all the drugs that Hawk was dealing with. But, you know, uh, when I, I think about those two, it's just amazing, uh, amazing decorated career that they had. Hawk was the one that was a philosopher. He sometimes would make you laugh in some of those promos, some of the things that he would say. But when you looked at Animal's eyes, you looked at his eyes, uh, he wasn't like this supreme 100% great promo. He was just a guy that was, would just let you know straightforward, straight away, that he's going to whoop your ass and he's going to tear your head off. And so even though Hawk was a little bit more cerebral and would say some things that made you think, what's he talking about? Maybe a little bit off, <laughs> but Animal, straight away. There was no comedy. There's no questions about Animal. He looked like he was going to try to knock your head off. So in the early 80s, Animal started off being Road Warrior Animal. Before Hawk was even around, his persona was Road Warrior Animal. And so on this match with uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Gordon Soley on the call, Nick Patrick is the referee in this matchup. This is on YouTube. Look for Road Warrior Animal TV debut. He has no face paint. He has a regular haircut, and his cut-off blue jean shorts are really tight. <laughs> it's not quite the Road Warrior gimmick uh, that we're all used to, but... This is Road Warrior Animal. This is Laurinaitis being really young in the business. And he has a very, very quick match on television for uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. One fall, television time remaining. He's got uh, extremely powerfully built body. All we know about him is that he is the road warrior and uh, that he is here to uh, have action. And he certainly has uh, an ample opportunity right now to prove himself. And a warrior just drove him right back into the turnbuckle. The referee calls for the uh, break on this one. And Barber hurtled through those ropes. 
himself together, and the warrior catches him again and drives him off the ring apron. He used a forearm that time. interesting him as just the lone road warrior and that wasn't going to work so he goes from just those tight uh blue jean shorts to face paint and his hair is cut and he teams with hawk animal hawk the road warriors part of paul elring's legion of doom which was a bigger stable than just those two jake roberts was part of it i believe king kong bundy was part of it but the legion of doom was actually bigger than just the road warriors initially but it came down to those three paul ellering uh, managed by road warrior hawk and animal let's go back to september of 1983 where again a very young animal is trying to explain this feud he wants to have along with his tag team partner hawk on georgia championship wrestling with gordon soley about this brett wayne crying about uh sheik in a disqualification match he wants a no dq match to sheik He's lucky she got disqualified last week, but she's going to kill him. You know, Brett Wayne wants no DQ matches. I'd love to have him in the ring with no DQ matches. Well, we'd tear him apart, wouldn't we? Speaking of no DQ matches, we got the Briscoes in a Texas Tornado match. Uh, we got the Briscoes, huh? I'll tell you what I think about the Briscoes little back rats. in Chicago. Back in Chicago, we slept in a lot of alleys. And you know how it is when you wake up in an alley and you got a rat. Chewing on your foot. Yeah. You take the rat and you twist the guts and the life right out of him. And then you bite his head up and slit it in a car. Yeah. That's just what we're going to do to you, Briscoes. You're a couple of rats. That's right. Brett Wayne, you're just a midget, Brett Wayne. You don't belong in professional wrestling. Here's a very special... The Road Warriors have just charged the ring. The Road Warriors have just charged the ring and are uh, two-on-one on Brett Wayne. And Wayne in trouble now as he's completely helpless against these two men. They caught him in a down position and now the Road Warriors... Somebody's got to put a stop to this. The Road Warriors unmercifully punishing uh, Brett Wayne... In the Road Warriors against him, and it is still Brett Wayne taking a tremendous amount of punishment. And Wayne has absolutely no chance whatsoever. We are going to have to somehow get this thing stopped. And it is uh, Pez Watley, Mr. Wrestling 2, Ronnie Garvin, and uh, Larry Zoom. Yes, even back then, in September of 83, they were dangerous. They're calling out wrestlers like Brett Wayne Sawyer, and they start double-teaming him. And again, wrestling fans during that time had never seen anything like Hawk and Animal. So that was their really, really infancy stage, their really young years, their early years, uh, as far as the tag team, the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. So Animal and Hawk went to Memphis. Jerry Jarrett 
is a promoter and so is Jerry Lawler, their promoter in Memphis. Whether you are Hulk Hogan, whether you are the Road Warriors, whether you are The Rock, doesn't matter who you are. You had to go through Memphis first and take on Jerry Lawler to really prove whether or not you were going to be a star in the business. All started in Memphis, Tennessee. Let's go to the Mid-South Coliseum. The Road Warriors take on Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol. And <laughs> I tell you what, the Road Warriors got a lesson, but so did Lawler and Idol. Again, a very young Road Warriors team having to go through Memphis to prove themselves. Here's Lance Russell. The infamous Road Warriors, Animal and Hawk. Animal in the ring right now. At ringside, their manager, Paul Ellering, called Precious Paul as he stalks around. Lawler starting it out, and right away he's caught. Look at this. That's 234 pounds. He pressed as if it were nothing. Does that tell you how strong these guys are? Whoop. The King hit the deck hard. And these savage road warriors loving the kind of combat that says, let me at them. Lawler doing a good job backing off, trying to really sell the Road Warrior strength. And a tag from the Road Warriors. The Hawk comes in. That weird war paint they have on their face. Knee to Lawler's midsection. Big elbow. Straight in the air. Lawler pressed up. That was the Road Warriors in Memphis. How about the Road Warriors in the AWA? This is when I saw them as a kid. So in Hammonds, Indiana, at the Hammonds Civic Center, there was a riot. <laughs> there was a number of them back in the day in the early 80s, right? The Road Warriors took on the tag team of Kurt Hedig and Baron Von Raschke. Now, here's why this is significant. It's because Larry the Axe Henning, the father of Kurt, is doing color analysis on this match right at ringside with Mick Karch. Now, 
Kurt Henning was always, as you well know, for those that watch Mr. Perfect or watch Kurt Henning uh, in his career, he was very, very good as a wrestler, but also very acrobatic. Kurt Henning would find a way somehow to go to the ropes and make sure that the second rope is over the top rope and hang himself with his head dangling as the second rope is over his neck and the first rope is underneath his chin. He always found a way to do acrobatic moves. As you all know, those matches he had with Bret Hart or whatever matches that Henning would, he'd go hard into the corner. He would bump. He was a bump machine, but also a great wrestler. But he always found a way to hang himself sometimes because it was a very unique move. So you think about it, the father of Kurt Hennig, Larry the Axe Henning is doing color right there at ringside, right there with the table pushed up to the apron. And there they are, just like boxing or MMA, they're right there at ringside. So obviously, Larry Hennig has got to help his son Kurt, right? Well, remember, it's the Road Warriors. They don't care. That's Larry the Axe Henning, who is an, a much older fellow at this time, much older and retired. They don't care about Kurt Henning hanging himself. You got to look for this match. Look for Road Warriors, in parentheses, AWA on YouTube. I'll never forget this, watching this uh, at home. It was quite the angle. Reverse headlock now by the animal. Chinlock. Of course, no submission. No question about that. The animal working on Kurt Hennig, who took three... Well, he's got that knee right in the right in the spine, and he's drawn back on that chin. You know, he's, he's, he could give up any time. I hope I know him that well, and he won't do it. Larry Lazowski says, "Come on, come on, what are you saying?" Kirk says, "No way." Trying to get out of that hole, Baron von Raschka. You see him on the left of your screen, getting the crowd going. He's getting that German blood pumped up. And look at Kirk! Look at Kirk twisting and turning. Kurt Hennig. He's got to fight. Still, the animal holds on. No, Kurt again, full blast to the turnbuckles. Oh, he met the animal with the legs and the feet. Kurt full throttle. Now, there's the tag. Here comes the bear. Fingers and eyes of the animal to the hawk. The baron is working. Oh, the animal off the ropes. Oh, man, over. Look at the baron. The baron is going to go. He's done. There's the claw. There it is. The Baron has the claw on the end. This could be the ring. Could this be the end of the Road Warriors? The Baron with the claw. Oh, but in comes the Hawk. There's the tag, and Kurt Hennig back in while the animal still woozy. Pounds on him. There the whip off. Oh, the Baron! Elbow smash. Kurt Hennig on the second rope. Boys, here he comes. Oh, he got him with the dump kick. Flying drop kick off the rope. Kurt Hennig. Oh, missed that one. Oh, he comes right oh he's caught in the rope. And he's caught in the rope. I gotta help him out of there. Larry the axe Hennig. Take off those headphones. Larry the axe Hennig now is gonna try and help Kurt off the ropes. Look at him. He's all twisted up and caught on the ropes. You see Larry Hennig trying to help Kurt. But now the Hawk starts pounding away on Larry the axe Hennig. And on Kurt, who's all caught up in the ropes. Oh, it's bam. Larry the Axe Hennig now. Larry Hennig coming in with a folding chair. Here comes Hennig with a folding chair. 
And the Hawk nails it. Kurt Hennig still trussed up in the rope. Look out! Now the folding chair by the Hawk. The Hawk using the folding chair. Now precious Paul Ellering coming in to help as well. You see it right above our broadcast position. Here comes Larry the Axe Hennig. Oh, there goes referee Larry Lazowski. Look at this. Total pandemonium. Larry the Axe Hennig is just leveled. There goes the animal. There goes precious Paul Ellering. is over and Larry the axe hitting calling for a doctor now ladies and gentlemen the match has been ruled no contest and out of control wrestling fans again absolutely everyone here unbelievable at what took place precious paul Ellery. i can't believe the action of animal and hawk what you did to kurt hennig about the worst i have ever seen in professional wrestling it's not nice to fool with the legion of doom you know fdr one said nothing happens in politics by accident well think about this larry hennig Nothing happens in the ring by accident. We went in there and we did it calculatingly cold. <laughs> Tell him, Hawk. What's Larry Henning so hot about? Just because we beat the living hell out of his son? Just because he was gushing blood everywhere to be seen? What are you so hot about? Well, you just keep hot because you're going to need that temper for us. In New York, the Meadowlands, you're going to need every advantage you can get. But it still ain't going to make any difference. The people in New York know it, too. Ain't nobody ever in the stinking world going to beat us. Tell them, animal. Hey, it's just another stinking case of when we have somebody right where we want them that another outside party comes in. Kurt Henning made his own mistake. He got himself tangled up in the ropes and Von Rasky was illegal and he comes in and attacks me well only natural when two against one my partner's gonna come in and get him out we got him out of our hair and then larry henning comes up when he's supposed to be commentating creating me his own mistake trying to wrestle the warriors and try to take our belts on tv and we put you in your place chicago style stand where he's in the street with blood so you can't get up that's just too bad, Henning. Okay, wow. I hope that you get a chance to go back and watch that on YouTube. Kurt Hennig and Baron Von Raschke against the Road Warriors. It's something you have to see because you see the Road Warriors fighting through the crowd at the Civic Center in Hammond. <laughs> because they're fighting the Road Warriors and they're pushing the fans off of them to try to get 
to the back. It was hot. There's a lot of heat on the Road Warriors for doing that to Kurt Hennig. Uh, I'll never forget that watching that as a kid, and that Hammond crowd did not like that. It's interesting because the Road Warriors represented Chicago so well, right? There's two guys from Minneapolis, from the Twin Cities, but they said they were from Chicago, so they rep Chicago really well. Keep in mind that in a lot of these matches, moving forward in their career, they got what is considered, even today, the Road Warrior pop. When fans would see them come on, that music you know turns on and they come down the aisle, people would give them a quote-unquote Road Warrior pop, which is something that is huge, a great honor for any wrestler that's coming down to ringside, and the fans are just at 11, just yelling and screaming, and just a complete roar. Uh, Animal talks about that Road Warrior pop later on in this podcast, um, so we'll get a chance to hear from Animal uh, regarding that. Where are the Road Warriors among some of the best tag teams of all time. Some thoughts from someone who managed my favorite tag team, the Midnight Express. Jim Cornette answers that question. This was sent in the corny drive through at gmail.com from James Selig. I wanted to get your opinion on where you place the Road Warriors amongst the greatest tag teams in wrestling history. Okay, well, at least shorten to the point. Are you sure that wasn't Star- Charlie from Starkville under an assumed name? I'm pretty positive of it, yes. Um, well, I mean, they're, they're high up there. Here's the thing. There's, I don't even want anybody to think I'm criticizing them, but there, there's positives and negatives to how far they rank in terms of all-time teams. There's only been really one tag team in wrestling history that has been the top box office attraction in the business over every other single individual person in wrestling and that was Rocca and Perez in what 59 and 60 and that was because of Rocca and New York um the road warriors are probably as close to as as any other tag team has ever come to being the top box office attraction in the business since then uh the rock and roll express was incredibly hot for a, a period of time obviously the midnight express was hot for a period of time R- the road wars it was a phenomenon for the first what five years and just if they were on the card and the fucking the road warrior pops and it was just you know they were so over that for that alone they place way up there uh, were they Bockwinkle and Stevens in the ring as far as, as performers? No, and they would never would have said that. But at the same time, they were the best. They were the two best guys in the business to be who they were supposed to be. They pulled the Road Warrior gimmick off perfectly. Uh, so while they worked exactly like the road warriors should work, <laughs> they were green at the start and they kind of picked up on things, but they weren't as hard to work with as everybody thinks, as, as I've said before. So while they weren't, you know, the second coming of, of, you know, Ricky steamboat, as far as smooth workers, they worked exactly like the road warriors should have. They looked exactly like the road warriors should have. They talked exactly like the road warriors should have, and they fucking drew huge money until WCW got fucked up, nobody was drawing money, and then they, they went to the WWF and they never got them there. Um, it never got them, Vince never got the whole thing. It was, they were, the Dark Side of the Ring episode pointed out in a lot of cases, they, 
they were just too cleaned up. You could see it. They were just too cleaned. It was the whole thing was just too cleaned up, and they made them too entertaining. Uh, and put too much entertainment around them in the WWF. But, but for those five years, they were more over than almost any tag team ever has been, and you know, a fucking phenomenon. So they're, you know, you would think they'd be top five. So Jim Cornette says they're top five. I agree with him. Um, they were unique. They deserve that top five billing for sure. You know, there are some wrestlers that wrestled Animal and Hawk that were afraid to wrestle the Road Warriors. It's one thing for them to have an intimidating look, but you think there's some cooperation in the ring, right? Well, maybe not with those two. Some thoughts from longtime wrestler in Mid-Atlantic and the NWA and also a former world-class championship wrestling heavyweight champion, Black Bart is in Weatherford, Texas, doing his own version of a shoot interview, I guess. He says, nobody wants to wrestle the World Warriors in the WWE or in the NWA. Let's go to Black Bart, of all people. You mentioned the Road Warriors earlier. Talking about some of your early memories with them, because you wrestled, you wrestled them in the beginning, at the height of their career. Oh, God almighty. And singles. Well, most of uh, I like to part, I, all the matches I had with them, I like to part where I, I take a bump, I take a bump, and then I leave, and the guy that I'm winning gets some crap beat out of it. That was my kind of match. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't have to, my, uh, I don't, uh, Joe Laurinaitis was, God, this, this tough, Mike, Mike was, Mike was a nice guy, but he had a, a fuse about that long, that long, that long. And if you lit it, he was in trouble, brother. They, I don't know if y'all remember when uh, it's called locker room. You put you put in, uh, in a little glass, six ounce glass of water, and you put like four scoops into six ounces of water, and then you shoot, you shotgun it, and it, it come, it would come. It was a drug. It was some kind of, I mean, come out like it was a like an energy drink. Well, it was energy, all right. I see Mike come in the dressing room, sit down in the dressing room. He was put four scoops and six ounces of water. Well, he had about four ounces of water, and he put about nine scoops. Boom, 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 boom. That stuff was thick as molasses syrup. And he stirred it up. And he sat down, he's sitting there like this. He's sitting there like this. And you see these veins right here. These veins right here, they start boom, 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 like that. And he looks at Taylor and he said, Bart. I said, what, my what, what? I'm going to go kill Vince McMahon. <laughs> he took off out of there, brother. We, we don't know where he went, but he, oh, man. Yeah, uh, do I remember the Road Warriors? Uh, oh, man. They they were, uh, whew, God, I'm sorry, guys, but nobody wanted to work with y'all. More especially in the beginning because y'all stiff. And uh, I, I don't. They, they were, they were, they were so, they were so nice, nice guys. But you know, they, they, brother, they didn't come from a nice group. You know, that group up there, they were. Minnesota. They, yeah, that from out of minute, they were, they were some, they were the guys that went and broke your bones if you didn't pay, or if you didn't, you owe somebody some money. They went and collected, or they brought an arm back with them, or two or three fingers. And that's that was that what was what. They, 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 business they were in. Now, 
I don't know for sure if that's what they done, but I'm sure they was into some kind of collection part of it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, the uh, yeah, I think I think I think about you know when we, when we first wrestled them, me and, me and Bass first wrestled them, they were in they were in cut off blue jeans and uh, and combat boots and. They wore these funky looking shirts to the ring. They took that. That was our ring jackets. They took them off. I mean, uh, teach them, and we tried, but they wouldn't do. You, them boys, them boys, they were they were dead set. And and by the time, by the time they damn near killed me and Bass, they 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 they, they took them and 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 uh, they sent them they sent them off somewhere. Got Rick Rude. Out of that, out of the same, out of that same year, later in that year, we got Rick Rude. But the Road Warriors were the the hardest two guys to teach anything that I've ever met in my life, and they would not. They, they, they just it wouldn't it wouldn't take. You could do it, and 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 it wouldn't take. It wouldn't take. When they went out, they took them off. They took them away from us. And me and Bass said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I mean, whew. You know, Tony Tony Giovanni, in case you people forgot, we're the number one seed in the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. Now, I was back there in the control room, and I heard Jim Cornell here flapping his fat little jaws, telling everybody how stupid we are. And on the other TV screen was a Disney World commercial. I'll save Rick Flair in trouble, Cornell, and I'll name him right after you. It's a small world after all, so you and Tinkerbell can go float around together in fairyland. Now, one thing Tony's about again, what separates us from every other chance team in a stinking world is, we don't care who we wrestle. Whether it's Dr. Death, Demiazzi, Buzz Sawyer, Magnum T.A., the Colossus, or the Midnight Express, we don't care because we feel confident we're going to walk all over everybody, and we do care about winning the Jim Gunner Senior Memorial Cup. Ain't that right, Paul? You know, Tony Schiavone Animal hit a very important point here, and that is we can wrestle anybody in this tournament, and that's what the Legion of Doom is about. We're an island unto ourselves. We always have been, and we always will continue to be. Russians, what does not kill us only makes us stronger. Jimmy Coronet, you do a lot of talking, but it's your men who do the wrestling, and we know your tactic of trying to get all the attention focused on you, and you forget about your two men in the ring. They're the talents, they're the men, and we realize that. They're the best, they're the NWA champions. Right now, I hope we meet them in the tournament. Right, Hawk? Hey, it's as simple as my brother said. The Road Warriors do what they say. And we're going to do what we say. We want the cup. We're sitting anything on earth. And we'll have it. And I'll tell you something else, Midnight Express. And that geek of a manager you've got. Y'all better get worried. Because the Warriors are coming. And we want them belts. We want a bad world belts. We're feeling a little naked. Around our waist. We dip what we want. We do what we say. 
just from that interview with Tony Schiavone that the Road Warriors did, you could tell a turn was coming. They were popular, but they talked about being naked, how they want those tag team championships. Well, you know, what's missing in the business today is title changes happening on house shows or called live events today. We see so many title changes on pay-per-view or, or on the WWE Network or usually on the bigger events for wrestling. But what about house shows? What about the Midnight Express taking on the Road Warriors? These two teams have gone at it back and forth on scaffold matches. It was crazy to see the Road Warriors in a scaffold match as big as they are against you know, Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry or Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane in those scaffold matches. Crazy. But what about when the Road Warriors say, you know what, enough's enough. Yeah, we're popular, but we want the tag team championships. So we're going to go to New Orleans, Louisiana, and we're going to beat the hell out of Bobby Eaton, and we're going to just focus on Stan Lane. Bobby Eaton was beaten for about six or seven minutes straight. And you could tell from the audience, they were like, wait, these guys are heels now because of how they're beating up Bobby Eaton so bad. So they decided to do a two-on-one effort on Stan Lane, and they won the tag team championships. As Jim Ross would say, the Road Warriors broke every rule. We got the 
turn heel and they really turn heel because they beat the hell out of the midnight express as a kid in 88 when that happened i was heartbroken <laughs> they beat the midnight express my favorite tag team in like eight minutes anyway so it's interesting when the road warriors went to the wwf at the time because if you were watching the road warriors either through the magazines or when they came into your territory you really enjoyed watching Animal and Hawk. They were a great tag team. But when he got to work with Vince McMahon, didn't seem like the same Road Warriors. As a matter of fact, they were called the Legion of Doom. Didn't want to be called the Road Warriors. Vince was always was changing personas left and right. Did not like that. So he wanted to call those two the Legion of Doom. So Animal, and by the way, Animal has done like a million shoot interviews, a lot of sit-down interviews. You go to YouTube, you can find a lot of conversations that Animal had about his time in the business with Hawk and the Road Warriors and all the places that they travel. I just happened to go earlier today and look to Title Match Network, and it's Road Warrior Animal. looks like they're in a hotel room with an interviewer, and they're talking about the time that the Road Warriors were in the WWF at the time. Some thoughts about the negotiations with Vince McMahon and how it just didn't feel great after being in the NWA in Memphis and being in the AWA in Japan and all around the world. They finally come to Vince McMahon. Let's pick up the conversation here. I thought I found this very interesting. Uh, a little different with us. We were already an established talent. Right before even going up there. So even if they would have wanted to try, there's not a judge in the land that's going to say, well, you, you guys can't use road warriors anymore because you had a contract with them. No. What was your first meeting like with Vince? Uh, we actually went to Vince's house. It was Hawk and I and Ellery went to Vince's house. And uh, we were just negotiating with Jim Crockett with a guaranteed contract. So nobody had guaranteed contracts at the time. So we were going to be the first ones besides Flair that had a guaranteed contract with the NWA. So we go to Vince's mansion out there in, uh, I think it's in Stamford, Connecticut. Yeah. And uh, we go to the office. We went to the house first. Sat there, and it was kind of funny in a way because Vince got up to leave the meeting at one time, but he left all Piper's and Hogan's merchandising numbers. They're sitting right on there on the printout. (laughs) 
Like, we're not going to look, right? Because, yeah, look, you got merchandise stuff here. Here's numbers right here. Of course, we looked. Baiting the hook. So we saw that. And we went to Vince and listen, Vince. Here's our guarantee contract. Can you match that? We're going to do guarantee. And he says, well, at the time, we don't do guarantee contract. We give you opportunity. I said, well, I can't bait bills on opportunity. Right. So if you have a guaranteed contract, we would do it. Otherwise, we're probably just going to stay with the AWA. And that's what we did. But going in Vince's house, I mean, it was actually kind of an interesting thing. I mean, above his fireplace mantle was this, like, big, like, five-foot by eight-foot painting of Vince in one of those green, total green suits and everything like that. And, of course, I, Hawk and I were jabbing with him a little bit about the painting on the wall. And, you know, we actually had a great meeting with him. You know, he had, a chi- like, an oriental chef that made us some really like, authentic, like, chicken fried rice and all that kind of stuff. It was actually really good we had a nice meeting and then we went to the office looked around the office but then we decided to stay with the nwa right was he down to earth or did, did he seem uh did he seem put off that you guys turned down his deal i uh, i think so he played it off like he didn't care but i think he really did care right because you probably at the time were probably the only person we were only one we were only one that didn't jump right to go there at one time you know right Do you think he would come? Do you think he would uh, hold that against you in the future? Mm, I don't think you know. I like to think that he wouldn't hold it against us. But I tell you what, one way I know he did. He knew what we were making and what we needed to make and what we deserved to make by the time we came in there as a team. And he pulled the old, "Oh, well, you're a team, so I can't pay you." What, like a single guy would be paying, I got to split it up because there's two of you. And I was thinking to myself, that's crap because we're selling a lot of merchandise. Right. You're selling hundreds of millions of dollars of merchandise of us. Come on, you know. So he says, okay. I said, well, as long as you make what we were making when we were singles. And then the first year, we made a hundred grand less than what he shook hands on. We said, hey, man, you said we were going to make it. I'll make it up to you the second year. It was a hundred grand less again. So now we're short about 200 grand each working for Vince. Right. So that's where Hawks start getting really pissy and saying, you know, screw Vince. If I want to go party and I'm going to go drink, I'm going to go party and drink. I'm a grown ass man. He goes, Vince is screwing us on pay. I'm going to go do this. Were people in the office trying to turn the screws on Hawk and keep him on the straight and narrow? Well, I was trying to, because he's my partner, man. I was trying to keep him on the straight and narrow, you know, but, but yeah, they, they tested him a lot and, they came and told him he pissed dirty a couple of times, which we both, we both knew he wasn't dirty. Right. And Hawk said, test me again. I'll tell you right now, I'm not dirty. I can promise you I'm not dirty. Hmm. And, you know, but then again, but Hawk was bucking the system, you know. He, and I try to tell Hawk, listen, man, you work for 3M or Honeywell or any of those companies, you've got rules and regulations you got to abide by. But Hawk just didn't want to do it. He goes, man, this guy's screwing us on pay animal. I'm sick of this crap. And then finally, when the straw broke the camel's back was in SummerSlam 92 and you know, at Wembley Stadium, the Hawk flipped out. Right. But going, but before we get uh, any any further in that, is talking money. The merchandise machine back then was cranking. Oh, underwear, bed sheets, pillowcases. Yeah. Uh, you eat- Jackets, backpacks, lunchboxes, Styro- everything. Styrofoam shoulder pads. Styrofoam shoulder pads, which I brought to the company. The guy from Janko Corporation in Connecticut, I was on a plane flight, he goes, hey, I say, what, you ever thought about making foam rubber shoulder pads for kids? What a great idea. And so they came with the press, and they even did signatures in the pad. Right. And uh, they sold 
they're still selling them in the UK somewhere. <laughs> so, but they're selling like for two hundred fifty bucks now. Was back then they were only like eighteen dollars, right? right? And uh, yeah, they, and they sold a ton of them, and they they made so much money marketing. Bro, you know, we lost out on a lot of money. That's what I was going to ask. Like, so you're, they're a machine when it comes to marketing oh. and, and cranking out merchandise. Where where do you sit on that? Do they co- approach you? Like, it, or, or do you just get a set percentage and that's it? It was a set percentage. I think it's a half of 1%. Wow. Yeah, which is hosing, yeah. Here's a kicker. My last time I'm in the company, I talked to my brother about this. And I said, hey, what if I come in, I give you a break in the money, you give me a higher percentage of marketing. I know what I sell marketing. This is with Heidenreich now. Right. I said, I'll come in there and do it. No, no, can't do it. Everybody in the company gets straight across the board the same thing. I said, really? You think Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin are getting the same? I'm telling you, everybody's getting the same. Well, then I found out afterwards... They weren't getting the same thing. How do you feel about your brother, your your own brother? Well, I wasn't too happy with him. It's actually caused a riff. I've never really talked to my brother about it, but it's caused a riff between my brother and I for him saying that. Right. Because it's not really, I mean, it's not really cool to do and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I, and, and that's one of the things, you know, he would, I don't want to really put all the blame on him, but he would come back and then, you know, I'd say, listen, why don't you make me an agent? Why don't you let me be the trainer or something? I would love to have done something like that and train the new guys in the wrestling business, you know? And then he said, well, I talked to Vince. And Vince said, nepotism, John, nepotism. Well, nepotism? You got your son, daughter, wife working for the company. Right. What do you mean nepotism? Some interesting thoughts from Road Warrior Animal, huh? Of course, his brother being people power, John Laurinaitis, who still works for the company, you just heard right there that John Laurinaitis lied to his own brother. That, my friend, is the wrestling business. <laughs> John Laurinaitis working side by side is someone that was in the front office with the WWE. And there's animals saying, hey, won't you give me a job doing this or that? Or what's up with the merchandise? And his own brother lied to Road Warrior Animal. <laughs> How about that? The legacy for... Joe Laurinaitis, better known as Road Warrior Animal, is not just in wrestling. The Laurinaitis name also extends to the football field because James Laurinaitis was a terrific defensive football player. Remember him with the Rams. He was just unbelievable. But James Laurinaitis knew that his dad, Joe, and his vocation, uh, what he did for a living was just a little different than most dads. It took me until late elementary school early middle school to kind of realize that dad's job was different you know to me dad was was always dad and and that's just the way uh he was i always called it a unique childhood but to me that was what normal was was just watching dad on tv and, and seeing him do what his profession was Starting in 1983, three years before James was born, Father Joe was known as The Animal, a pro wrestling superstar and part of the tag team Road Warriors. Well, I think they learned real quick that it was Halloween 365 days a year for me. When I came off the road, I left Animal on the shelf and I came home and I was dad. Joe coached his sons in a variety of youth sports. Never once did he body slam any of them. 
For young James, life with the animal was nothing out of the ordinary. I distinguishly remember eating uh, Oreos with wrestlers like Earthquake and Typhoon. That was just normal to me. Texan safety Dominique Barber grew up with Laurinaitis. Like most Minnesota kids, they played football and hockey. But they also dreamed of clotheslines and drop kicks. You know, James always had uh, pay-per-view events at his house. We would always try to, to reenact. I took James and his hockey team. I brought him down to the St. Paul Civic Center at the time to watch wrestling matches, right? Just ended up, you know, going down to the ring, wrestling around, probably about 3 o'clock. Show doesn't usually start till 7 or 8. I'm sitting, sitting back there, and who's sipping a cup of coffee but Stone Cold Steve Austin? He goes, hey, Joe, is that your boy? I said, yeah. He goes, flick that switch right there. We were all in the ring. And uh, all of a sudden, Stone Cold, the music, his, his music comes on. and He runs down the ring. He goes, who's the first kid that runs to Steve Austin? It's James. We all just scattered out of the ring, except James. He throws Dom out of the ring. He throws me against the ropes and then yells, duck, I duck. James does the whole duck thunder. And then Steve Austin comes back, gives him a little kick. And he gives him a Stone Cold stunner. I think all my friends were, uh, thought I was, I thought I was dead. You know, that's just James. You know, he's always ready. I think James is one of those that are afraid of him because he knew exactly what to do. Yeah. I think that's for practice on his poor sister. Yeah. Every time I looked around, either Jessica was getting stunned or she was getting tombstoned. I was the kid that had, uh, you know, I, I would ask for every single action figure and I would draw out my own little wrestling card and... My dad would give me the actual music of the wrestlers, so I would play the music, you know, fake walking down to the ring. I would do full-out matches. My dad and his partner never lost, that's for sure. Legion of Doom was always going to win on, on my card. <laughs> There's a fun story about uh, James Laurinaitis talking about his dad, Joe. Uh, and so that Laurinaitis name, not just in pro wrestling, but also on the football field, and Laurinaitis now is a terrific broadcaster for ESPN and working doing a talk show uh, locally in Columbus, Ohio. What about the Hall of Fame? Great to have Animal, as well as Precious Paul Ellering, be there for the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, of course, Hawk not there, which is just a big loss with him passing away the way he did. But there he was, two members of the Legion of Doom getting their just due going to the Hall of Fame. entertainment industry, sports entertainment. We were lucky, like the film kid said, you know, we got to win, you know, Georgia Championship, NWA, AWA, All Japan Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, finally win, you know, the, the culmination of everything, the WWE Championship titles, right? And now... The biggest award in sports entertainment history today. I will give them all up for this night right here with the WWE Universe. I'll tell you that right now. 
an honor to be afforded with great pleasure the opportunity to be part of something special with two unbelievable human beings and good friends. I've got one beside me here, and the other one is Hawk. Hawk, Hawk was a husband, a son, a brother, a warrior, a friend. This is what Hawk would have wanted, a celebration of life and what a life we live. Yeah. Hawk and I had a connection that was unparalleled in this industry. And Hawk, we fed off each other, man. It was one mind, one team, one body. And I will forever miss him and be indebted. There you go, right there. They put the action figure of Hawk on the podium as fans give a standing ovation to the legacy of Hawk. Just a great moment there. Fans standing for the 2011 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony and Paul Ellering pulls out the action figure of Hawk and sets it right there on the... Uh, on the dais, really cool. Uh, Ellering's wearing uh, dark shades for their uh, Hall of Fame speech, and you know, Animal, he's not even reading off the script that that was given to him because he just has so much emotion just being part of the WWE Hall of Fame. And finally, on our special for Road Warrior Animal, who passed away as we record this today, I got a chance to interview him with Steve Arendt for StarCast uh, when it took place uh, in suburban Chicago for the all-in event, the first all-in event that took place in Chicago. Um, it was a really great atmosphere because there was a number of podcasters, a number of radio stations that were there, part of Radio Row. And then we had a number of guests to stop by, but one of them was Road Warrior Animal. He came to the table and talked to Steve Arendt and I. Steve Arendt is on the independent circuit in the Chicagoland area as a uh, booker slash manager, as well as um, someone who's a big wrestling fan, just like I am. And so... Just keep in mind as we listen to this conversation, the Road Warriors are one of the very best to ever do it. Decorated champions and so unique. Something in 2020 that I'd love to see more of. Unique characters that look dominating, that took care of their own business, and they will never be forgotten. Uh, rest in peace, Road Warrior Animal. As we hear this conversation from... August of 2018 at StarCast in Chicago.
Hyatt Regency, Schaumburg, Illinois, against our all-in StarCast special, uh, Global Pro Wrestling General Manager Steve Barrett and John Hood with you. And again, we welcome our audience across the United States and around the world here uh, listening to our program here as we're here for all-in StarCast. Road Warrior Animal sits down with us here on our all-in StarCast special. Jonathan, Steve, how are you? Hey, guys, what's up, man? You you know what's up. It's all-in. Oh, yeah, man, it's all-in. It's all Chicago. Hey, man, it's all, it's all great, man. Animal, how, how, we were just talking at the start of our show about how Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks took it up, take, took Dave Melter's bet and said, you know what? We could get this sold out, 10,000 seats. Chicago, as you well know, a rabid fan base. When you first heard about the story, what was your initial reaction? Well, you know, uh, it, this is a great time in wrestling, and I say that because, you know, without the NFC, you don't need the competition. And uh, on, unfortunately, TNA is not really pulling their way a little bit. So, And the only game in town is WWE now, man. This, this is a great example of what the fans are thriving for. I think the wrestling fans want another vent. They want another outlet for wrestling because that's what wrestling is, man. It's an escape for an everyday fan to get away from their headaches and their problems of life or their job and to be able to go out somewhere and have a good time, right? Fan, you know, fun, fan, family, friend, friendly entertainment, right? So this is what it's all about, man. And there's no doubt in my mind. So listen. Since the Road Warriors, there has been another team that's come along since now the Young Bucks are up, coming up, right? And and in Japan, they're freaking extremely popular. And they're popular here in the U.S. too. The fans don't really even know them very much in the U.S. and they're popular. Figure that out. Because the fans are dying to have something different. Actually, you know what, to be honest with you, the fans are dying to go back to basics. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Quit the 50,000 finishes of the match. Let's just have a wrestling match, for Christ's sake. Yeah. Let's have a match where the, you know, there's a good guy and a bad guy established, and let's have fun and entertain the people. You know, So that's what it's all about, man. I didn't realize, that, you know, I don't follow a bunch of social media stuff with Belser, but I didn't realize there was a challenge. But listen, when I heard that Cody was involved, listen, comes from a great lineage in wrestling, and then the Young Bucks were involved, and they were successful, I said, man, well, it's going to be. It's going to work out well. Road Warrior, you have been uh, in the Chicago independent scene. I've seen you at a lot of the small indie shows. Uh, I actually had the good fortune of having you sit in on commentary on a show that I was doing uh, for a company called Crash Tested Wrestling. Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was listening to you call a tag team match, and you were making references to some of the old tag teams that you fought. And at that moment, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, my God, this man has seen everything in this industry. And now here you are all in. What does something like this mean to you? I mean, you've come from one area, and now here you are, 2018, and such a, such a spectacle that this is. And, and, and you know, uh, being involved in some event like this, I mean, you know, the Hawk and I were blessed, man. We won some, like, 22 times your world champs you know no other team has ever done that i don't know if no other team will ever do that again because there's just not that many opportunities anymore for people but this is this is just great to see yeah i do do a lot of the indie circus because it's good to give back man i bring my shoulder pads in and i let the fans put them on for photos and everything else and i let them get that little bit of wrestling experience with me listen for a long time our pads have been untouchable 
right. you can't even get close right, to us, right? right? So I like to put, I let them put them on. They could be a member of the Yellow D for five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and it's cool for them. Sometimes if there's even a face painter there, they have to paint, you know, paint their face up. They can make pin their hawk or something. You know what I mean? But yeah, it, it, it's a good event, man. It's always about giving back to the people. I'm, I'm hoping this is a kickstart right now. I hope this is a kickstart that somebody sees this, you know, besides, you know, to be on Fight TV, right, to BO and WGN, that, that we could possibly take something that Young Bucks and Cody could take this thing to the next level. Because I, I think the people want it, man. I think if you had to do a wrestling poll right now, if the people want to see a whole new network and new wrestling program, I bet you would be unanimous. Road Warrior Animal, along with Jonathan and Steve here, as we broadcast live from the Hyatt Regency, Sean Burr for All In StarCast Special. Um, so, I've heard the, the Road Warrior pop because I paid tickets to watch you guys perform. Do you remember the first time that, a, that you know, what was described as a Road Warrior pop where you where the, you couldn't even hear yourself think when you when you and Hawk walked into a ring? You know, the, you're one of the greatest cities for wrestling right here in Chicago, man. At the Rosemont Horizon, right? right. The Rose, the pop was freaking deafening. I remember the first time Hawk and I came back from Georgia Championship Wrestling in the St. Paul, Minnesota, where we were living at the time, and uh, went into the St. Paul Civic Center. And it was freaking crazy. And I remember as a 17-year-old kid watching Hulk Hogan fight Nick Bockwinkle in there. Yep. Standing there as the big meathead with my my over, overalls were in back in the time. <laughs> wearing my big fat overalls and standing there watching and seeing Hulk Hogan in there. I said, man, I would love to have that reaction someday. And to be able to have a pop named after you yeah. in this wrestling business is crazy. Because you don't hear a name the Hulk Hogan pop or the John Cena pop. It's the Road Warrior pop, right? So it's kind of crazy. Yeah, Hulk and I had the, had the ability to blow the roof off of places, man. And places like the Rosemont and Madison Square Garden. And, of course, you know, Wembley Stadium with 90,000 people in. And yeah. Tokyo Dome. You know, you get to experience those things, man. And I've been lucky. I got to wrestle a lot of great world champions with a lot of great tag teams in my career and you know hawk and i when hawk before hawk passed away we had 20 years of main events i mean i don't think anybody can say hey i've been a main event for 20 years you know so it, it's been pretty wild i'm glad you spent some time man we're here doing this live broadcast and we just think it's great i'm glad you're part of it as well i hope to see you like backstage someplace and lending your knowledge yeah, I got a ton of it tucked in there somewhere besides the chair shots. There's still some knowledge left in, those, <laughs> left in this right. whole thing, man. Hey, remember ESPN Chicago, baby. What a rush. Yeah.